My parents asked me if I remember pastor, and I said my memory only goes back about 40 years. I don't remember our time too much there in Panama, but uh, the things I do remember were, were kind of scary, actually. There was kind of in a place in turmoil at the time. Well, it is a, a joy to be here tonight and uh, to see so many familiar faces, people that I haven't seen in many years, soccer coaches from way back and mentors and history teachers. I had Ms., uh, Mr. Castleberry for history and Western civilization back at Grace Academy. And I remember a life motto of his that he instilled into probably hundreds, if not thousands of students. And that was simply two words, do right. And when I wasn't doing right, Sometimes the Holy Spirit let me know that, and sometimes it was the Holy History teacher, Mr. Castleberry, that let me know to do right. And uh, but I thank you to all of you guys, and of course my parents. Uh, so thankful for them, the investment that they made in all of us children, and seeing the importance of uh, even instilling in us a mission and a worldview, because God is a missional God. And, uh, and so they sacrificially... Uh, drug us all around the world on mission trips. And I remember each summer packing a bag with my clothes in it and a bag with Christian literature in it and going to different nations and spreading the gospel. And, and, uh, and so I look back at those years and, and those uh, seeds that were planted. I know that's a big part of why my family and I are on the mission field today. We've been in Costa Rica for 14 years. It's been a joy and a pleasure to serve the Lord down there. Uh, it's 85 degrees there today, as it is, what is it, 25 degrees here? So we love it. Uh, and so I want to share a little bit of what we're doing down there. I have some uh, pictures that I want to share with you. I think I can advance it with this right here, yeah. And so this is my family, my wife Sarah, and we have three boys, and my boys uh, are actively, and my wife actively, a part of our mission. They serve with our worship team. They're a big part of our youth ministry, and then a lot of our outreach projects as well. This is Haco, Costa Rica. It's a beautiful place. It sits right on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, where the ocean meets the, uh, where the, ocean meets the mountains. And... Um, a lot of internationals living there. It's a big part of our, our ministry there is to the international community. And uh, a few years ago, we were able to build a church and to pay for it, which was absolutely an amazing thing. And so when I drove on a campus this day and saw that rainbow over it, it was a reminder that uh, this is a promise that God had given us and that God has fulfilled. And, uh, and listen, it's, it's great to have a facility uh, but it's even better to have a church. And praise the Lord, God is filling it up. Each morning, uh, each Sunday morning, we have between three, 400 people there. And uh, our facility, we built to hold about 280. And we were building it big. We wanted to, you know, we were in building in faith. God's going to fill this up. And God has filled it up uh, to overflowing. You see, we have people that sit out, actually outside of the sanctuary listening in. And uh, so we're going to be moving to a second service here soon and hopefully uh, continue to grow. And if we're full in our uh, sanctuary, we're full in our children's ministry spaces as well, which is the future. And we're excited about all the kids that are coming and filling up our classrooms. And uh, we have an active AWANA program. I am a 
product of Awana. I love Awana. I think it's so important to hide God's word in your heart. And so as soon as we could, we started Awana or Awanza uh, there in Spanish. And so um, great program happening. And it's really exciting to see uh, just a new generation, a generation that hasn't really been there. We're seeing a lot of first generation Christians in our church. And so to be able to have young people that are being raised in the faith, we're excited about the future of the church with, with those kind of kids coming up. Filling up our youth ministry, that's them getting ready to go on their uh, annual retreat. And so when you have people coming to church and children attending Sunday schools and children in, in your youth ministry, you're going to see fruit of that. And we have people coming to Christ in uh, the 10 years uh, that we, since we planted Horizon Church, we, we haven't done a good job of keeping the numbers and tracking all that, but we believe we've baptized between two and 300 people uh, that have come to faith and been baptized there in our, in our church. And uh, that's always a sweet Sunday. We have a baptismal out in the garden right outside of the sanctuary, and so everybody gathers around the, the garden there, and it's always a, a great time of celebration. Well, our church, the vision and the mission of our church is to know God, to love God, and to serve God. And this year, uh, we have had an amazing outreach to our community. We've been suffering a lot with flooding in our area. It's affected about 75% of our community. And so with that, we've had a lot of needs, and our church has really mobilized well, gone out into the community. This is my middle son. You can see how high the water line was in that house. And uh, we spent the better part of uh, about six weeks just helping clean out houses uh, here in the last, well, just a few months ago. And, uh, and uh, you know, ministry can be messy. And these have been some messy months there helping people. And then other outreaches that we do, we have a, a, a feeding program where we put together food bags and we feed needy people in the community, uh, give them these uh, these are, that's about a 10-day ration, those bags right there. And we give those out on a monthly basis. Uh, we also do a lot of outreach to the homeless. This is some of the guys that, that have gathered to grab a meal together. And then we do, uh, we do some haircuts and things like that as well, helping out with the, community, uh, with the homeless community. We also have a prenatal center that's on our campus. We have 60 women involved in the prenatal center right now. Our youngest client is 13 years old, and uh, these are women and girls that, that are come looking for help, and as part of that help, what we do is we offer counseling, what's going on with their body, what's going on with the development of the child, and then we, we build all of that into a Christian program and curriculum, and so they're memorizing scripture as well, and then with all of the um, scripture they memorize, with all the sessions that they come to, they get points. And with the points, they can buy things in a boutique. And we have a boutique there with used baby clothes, diapers, uh, all kinds of things like that. So if you come across some great deals on baby clothes and want to buy those, hold on to those. We would love to get those down to Costa Rica and stock that boutique. It's always fun to buy baby clothes. So if you, if you get into some. I want to tell you a story because I could tell you all day a lot about the ministries that that we do and different outreaches that we have from hosting mission teams and having the prenatal center and now a counseling center and working with the homeless in our community. But I want to tell you about Kaylor, this little boy right here. Kaylor was six year, five years old, diagnosed with a, um, a terminal brain tumor. 
and uh, was in the hospital and wanted to, they were going to release him. They'd done all they could do. They were going to release him to come home. And uh, the problem was uh, he didn't really have an adequate home to come home to. He lives in this little space right behind him here underneath this house uh, with his family, a dirt floor and 10 walls. And so um, the police actually had come to the church and they were telling us this story about Kaler and wondering if we could help him. And so we mobilized a group from our church and we went over and uh, we began to do some work in Kaler's home. This is a little bit of his house right here underneath there. And uh, we just began to, to clear it out and get it ready and, and began to build walls into it, to put a indoor plumbing into the, uh, the space. And uh, we were able to build little two bedrooms there and they were able to bring Kaler home uh, to live out the remainder of his life. And uh, Kaler had some, some dreams. He had some things that he wanted to do, kind of a make-a-wish kind of thing. And so for about three months, we were able to go to soccer games, and this was an amazing day uh, there at La Liga uh, soccer game, and they won that day, and so it was a lot, a, lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of fun. And then on our way home, we got to do another thing that he really wanted to do. We got to ride an escalator in the mall, and so we did that for about an hour <laughs> and uh, had a great time riding the escalator there. And then... Uh, Went and saw a movie, had never been to the, the movies before, and so we did several things like that. And then this was actually Kaler's last Sunday at Horizon Church. Um, and we were, we were praying for a miracle, and we were hoping, and we were praying for healing. And I am proud to say and thankful to say that God did healing, not in the way that we hoped, not in the way that we wanted, but, you know, to know that, that Kaler is at rest and he is at peace and he is whole with the Lord. And so, um, this is my youngest son saying goodbye to the Kaler. And I remember at this funeral, someone said to me, let's pray that through the death of a son, that this family might come to know Christ through the connection, through the love that they've seen here. And I thought, isn't that how we all come to know Christ? Amen. Through the death of a son. And so we were praying for his mom and dad. We were praying for Wendy and, and for Alexis to continue to come to church. I didn't know if they would. I didn't know if they would just say, God didn't answer our prayers and we're done with this. Uh, but they began, they kept coming to church and praise the Lord, we had the opportunity to lead both uh, Wendy and Alexis to the Lord, to see them baptized there at our church. It was shortly after they were baptized that they realized that they'd never been married and they were living in sin and wanted to be married. And so one day right there in the garden at the church, we were able to uh, do, a, do a wedding, see them come to Christ. And then just about six months, about half a year later, God gave them another son. And, uh, and then just recently, we're, they dedicated him to the Lord, gave him uh, unto the Lord. And so that's, that's just one story of many that we've been able to be a part of over the last few years and uh, so thankful for. And uh, tonight, I want to talk to you not just about our mission. I want to talk to you about your mission, what God has called you to right here 
in, where are we, Northwest Georgia? And, uh, and it wasn't too long ago that someone saw all that we were doing. We're in a small town. Hako's not a really big place. And they saw all that we were doing and, and the impact that we were having there. And, and she said to me, she's not a part of our church yet, and she said, how many ministers does your church have? And I thought about that for a second, and I said, you know, we have about 300 ministers. Because I believe that every member is called to be a minister. Amen. And now, I want to talk to you about that tonight. Every member, a minister. Now, does that mean that we're going to do seminary classes here tonight, and you've got to start signing up for seminary classes? No. Does it mean that you have to... Uh, get up here and preach sometime soon? No. Does it mean that you have to start playing golf or whatever other ministers do? No. The word ministry simply means servant. It means to serve. And we are all called to service. And listen, that's not just in the church. That's in our houses. That's in our businesses. That's in everything, in every walk of life, in all of parts of our community, we are called to service. We are called to minister to one another. And as excited as I am about what God is doing in Costa Rica, I'm also excited about what God can do right here in this community. What he can do if this church will mobilize its minister or its members to be ministers. We're all called to service. We're all called to service. Now, for some of you, ministry or service comes natural. It, it's, it's what you love to do. And we can all think of people like that right now, people that, that are quick to serve. If there's a need, man, they jump on it. They are ready. They, they love to serve. They are so good at it. And now the rest of us, some of us, we need to work on that. We need to grow in that area. It may not come natural to us. It may not be our first instinct to jump in and serve, but we can grow in this. We can become better. We can become better service or better servants, better ministers. I think the other thing, sometimes we, we get trapped into this idea of compartmentalizing our service, where we say, well, I serve here. And when I, I go here, that's, we're not thinking about service. We need to have an idea. We need to have a heart of service wherever we go and whatever we're doing. I had a conversation with someone in our church just a few weeks ago, and she works for the court systems there in Costa Rica. And uh, she was telling me about opportunities that she's had to share the love of Christ with different people and individuals in her workplace. And I said, that is your ministry. God has given you a platform there. He has given you this, a very unique platform there to minister to people that, that haven't come to our church. They may never come to our church. But that doesn't mean that the church can't go to them. That doesn't mean that they still can't be ministered to and they still can't be served. They, can't, they still can't see the love of Christ. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we serving in whatever area God's given us? I think the other trap that we can fall into is to say that uh, the label some things as sacred and some things as secular. To where we'll go and say this church and this campus is sacred, 
But then we go into our workplaces or our schools and our neighborhoods and we call them secular. The problem with that is I've been to some churches, to be honest with you, that were very secular. And I've been in some workplaces that were very sacred. And so we need to know that our ministry opportunities can come anywhere and everywhere. Every member can be a minister. And so if we're all called to service, how do we get better in this? How do we become more effective in our service? Well, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to look at three keys to be more effective in our ministry. Each of us is called to service. How can we be more effective in it? In this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica and he is looking back and he is remembering and then he's challenging them to follow his example that he set for them. The service that he had, uh, the way he had served them when he had, was there in Thessalonica. He's challenging them to look at, at his example and to follow it. The first key to effective ministry we see in verses 1 and 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And it says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in, in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that, we had suffered before, we were shamefully entreated, as we know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto the gospel of God with much contention. The first key to be more effective in our ministry is boldness. We need boldness. Paul says, you know how we were persecuted, the persecution that we had faced in Philippi. And they come to to the region of, of, of Thessalonica, and they still have wounds on their back. That's the kind of thing that they had endured there, false imprisonment or false accusations, imprisonment, beatings. And then they're ran out of town. They come to Thessalonica. It would have been so easy for them just to take it easy, for them to keep their mouths shut. But with boldness, they proclaim the gospel to them. It says, with help, from God, with boldness from God in the face of strong opposition and conflict. They were ministering the word of God boldly. Church, I'm amazed how bold we can be sometimes in defense of our favorite sports teams. I'm amazed how confident we can be sometimes when we're talking about our political candidate. And then when it comes to things of faith, we could be so timid. Church, we need to be bold. If we're going to minister effectively, we need a boldness that comes from God. I love that verse in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto salvation. I love that verse in Acts chapter 28, verse 31, that says, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You know what I believe the greatest hindrance is to the gospel today? We want to blame it on a, on a changing culture that isn't as accepted. Sometimes we want to blame it on a political narrative that doesn't want to hear it anymore. But I believe the greatest hindrance to the gospel today is the fact that we don't open our mouths and share it. 
And so we need to be bold in our witness, not to fear being offensive to someone, not to fear being rejected by someone, but to fear being disobedient to a God who has called us to share boldly. And not only called us to share boldly, but also equipped us to share boldly. Because if God calls us to do something, he equips us to do something. And so we need to be bold. The second key, if we're going to be effective in ministry, we see in the next few verses, starting at verse 7, he says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to improve. I'm sorry, I'm starting in verse 8. Verse 7 says, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. Looking down just a little further, and he says, as you know, we exhorted and we comforted and we charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Yet we walked worthy among of God who called you unto his kingdom and his glory. The second key to effective ministry is love. Paul says we minister to you like a mom tenderly caring for her children. We ministered to you like a father who is urging and challenging and encouraging his children. The Lord showed this verse to my wife and I early on in our ministry there in Costa Rica. I remember reading it one day and just that idea that, that God is calling us to a passionate, affectionate love for other people. So much so that not, not only will we share the gospel, but we'll share our very lives. That we're not just preaching, but we're living it out. We're faithfully living it among them. I remember reading that verse and, and saying, Lord, I know that's the kind of ministry you have for us. One of pouring out our lives into people. We didn't know this at the time, but God would allow us to open our doors to bring in two runaways. One of them was pregnant at the time. To raise them in our home. To have five years raising those two and then the child that came. And to... To not just share the gospel, which we did, and that was a glorious day to see both of them put faith in Christ and be baptized, but to just be able to do life with them, to live out an example of Christ with them. That's what Christ has called us to. And so if we're going to be effective in our ministry, we need to have love for people. You know what will help us when we go to evangelize, what will help us to open our mouths and to not, not have fear? You know what overcomes fear? Love. So we need to love other people. The third key, if we're going to be more effective in our ministry, we see in verse 13. And it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectively worketh also in you, that believes. The third key to effective ministry is God's word. The first two keys that I gave you, boldness and love, really are only just to set up a platform for us to share God's word. 
In all of my years of working in the church and in ministry, I've realized that my words can motivate people and my words can encourage people. My words can even challenge people, but God's word has the power to change people. And so people don't just need my words. They need God's word. The power of God's word. Effective service, effective ministry includes God's word. I could think of so many times in our 14 years of ministry there in Costa Rica now. So many times where I didn't have the words. Or where my words fell so short. I remember just a few years ago getting a call from a hotel. They told me there was a, a family that was in distress, that had some needs, and asked if I would come and minister to them. And I got there, and I didn't know exactly what I was walking into, but when I opened the door, I knew that it was, was not a good situation. I heard weeping and wailing like I've never heard before, mourning and pain. And as I began to hear the story of this 38-year-old mother of three boys, almost the same age as my boys, she began to tell me that her husband had drowned earlier that day, swimming in the ocean. They were all down there as a family at the beach. And she's just weeping and she's mourning and, and she looks up at me and she says, why would God let this happen? And I gotta tell you, I didn't have words. I didn't know what to say. I knew that wasn't the moment where I say, well, this wasn't God's desire and his plan. He created the world perfect in Genesis. She didn't need to hear that. I didn't know what to say. And so I opened my Bible to Psalms and I just began to read Psalms over her. And it was absolutely amazing to watch God's word minister to this woman, to bring a comfort to this woman that my words would have fallen so short of. If we're going to minister effectively, we need to share God's word. It is the greatest tool that we have in our service. You may have a neighbor that's hurting right now, a neighbor that's struggling, and you don't know what to say. You don't have the words. I want to encourage you, you do have the words because you have this word. And so write out a verse and put it on a card and put it in her mailbox or Text her something. Maybe you have a son or daughter that's hurting right now and it doesn't seem like they want to hear it anymore from you. You don't know what to say anymore. Share with them God's word. But here's the thing. If we're going to minister with God's word, we need to know God's word. If we're going to know God's word, then we need to read God's word. We need to study God's word. God has called us all to be ministers. He's called us all to service. Now, some of us will serve overseas. Some of us are called just to serve over across the street. Maybe you're called to be a minister in your workplace. But God has called us all to minister. And so I want to challenge you in this new year. We're just two weeks in. It's not too late to set goals. It's not too, too late to put some new habits in place. But I want to challenge you in this new year to identify your ministry, your place of service. Maybe it's an area that you're already serving here in the church. And then in that place of ministry, commit to growing. Commit to being more effective. Commit to being more bold. 
Commit to displaying more love. Commit to sharing God's word. And so I hope that you will have an amazing year. I hope, church, that you'll make the most of every opportunity that God gives you to serve him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we could take just this short time and open your word and study it together. And Lord, I pray that it will minister unto our hearts. Lord, you've called us all to service. And some, Lord, will, the service will be in their home. It'll be in their workplace. It'll be in their communities, in their schools, in this church right here. Lord, there may be people here that you're calling to service overseas. But God, wherever we go and whatever we do, Lord, I pray that we will serve you with boldness. I pray we'll serve you with love. I pray that we'll serve by sharing your precious and your holy word. God, if we'll do that, you'll do the rest. We praise you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.